Hi everyone, we are back in full effect. Pierre and I took a little mini break from season one and now we're starting season two. Wow, that's that's literally crazy when you say that, season two. Like, we're out here working and it feels good. It feels good to be back to the office. <laughs> um, for those of you who have not followed us during season one, I am your co-host Kiana, I also go by Key. I'm born and raised in the Boogie Down Bronx, and I classify, classify myself as a Jamaican. My family is Jamaican, and I'm first generation born here in the U.S. And my name is Pierre. I'm a Haitian American, I would guess. Um, yeah, born and raised in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. <laughs> I know you're going to do that. <laughs> I got to represent where I'm from. Got to hold it down. Um yeah, so it feels good to be back. We took a little time off and kind of like got to reflect on what we did and I'm proud of us. I feel like we did a really good job and I'm honestly thankful that you reached out to me to actually create this podcast. It's awesome and I'm happy we're doing it. Yeah, it's been a great journey and I'm proud of us and the fact that we were able to reflect on the past episodes we've had for those of you who just started joining us please go on soundcloud on our page unapologetically different we have all of our eight episodes uploaded please let us know what you think um and we're just trying to do better and be better moving forward and talk about great topics with substance yeah definitely so i think we just get right into it as well the first topic we're going to talk about today was an incident that took place on may 2nd concerning Adam Jones, an all-star center fielder for the Baltimore Ravens. And for those of you who don't, aren't really big into sports, that's baseball. And the the Baltimore Ravens were playing the Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park. And when you're an outfielder and you work in the outfield, you're pretty much close to the fans. So a lot of times you can hear the fans talking and just like talking crap, like normal sports Sports events. Some of them be getting crazy, though. Yeah. Like, they be real into the game. It's like, relax. Yeah, it definitely gets intense. But I guess that's for me. I love sports, so I love that competition. But on this date, May 2nd, some of the fans actually took it to the next level. And they were actually taunting Adam Jones with racial slurs. And then it escalated to the point where they threw a bag of peanuts on him, actually at him on the field. And just in general, the fact that they went it went above and beyond and actually threw something at him, I thought that was kind of sick because this guy's out here just playing and trying to feed his family, playing the sport that he loves, and people are actually risking his career by doing something like that. So that was, that was, pretty, that was pretty crappy to hear that happened. What really got to me and hurt was the fact that they were throwing the N-word a lot at him in the outfield. And, yes, yeah, so that's what I kind of wanted to just dive in and kind of talk about today. Um, in Jones' post-game interview, he sarcastically said, A disrespectful fan threw a bag of peanuts at me, and I was called the N-word a handful of times tonight. Thanks. Pretty awesome. And he also was cited saying that it was the worst case of fan taunting he had ever received so following that game one of the boston red sox players mookie betts he went to social media and kind of just stood up for his brother in the sport of baseball and he tweeted fact i'm black too literally stand up for simply aj10 tonight and say no to racism we as Red, Red Sox and MLB fans are better than this. And the next day when the two teams met again to play each other, the fans actually gave Adam Jones a standing ovation at the park. So me personally, first hearing about the story, I was like, damn, this that sucks. Like you're playing sports, you're out there just doing your job and you starting getting berated with racial slurs. Like, one, it just takes away your focus from the game at hand. Like, from, I don't know if I was in that position, I would be pissed off. But it's like, what the hell can I do? It's like literally a stadium full of people behind me. But so that, yeah, that sucked. And But also, too, like, you're not attacked. You're attacking the character of someone. 
and their race, which is no affiliation to the sport. Yeah. Now, if you're going to shit talk during a game, which is pretty valid, at least talk about what they're doing wrong. Right, right. If they're not positioning themselves well and if they're actually not, you know, they, they weren't practicing well prior to the game. That's something that you could kind of get at them for. But for you to attack their character and their race, yeah, it's like, okay, now you're taking it to another level, which is unnecessary. And now it falls in lines of being racist. Yeah. But... Then to hear the next day, the opposing team had someone, again, Mookie Betts, who actually stood up for him and requested that the the fans and actually make a stand and show that they're not about the racism that he yeah. actually felt. I love that because it just showed that... Solidarity. The, exactly. One, the solidarity. And then two, that just because there's a handful of rotten apples, like that doesn't represent the entire stadium, the entire yeah. city of Boston. And, yeah, I think a lot of times you got people lose sight of that. Like, a lot of times we want to just latch on some negative characteristics of a small set of people onto an entire population. Yeah. But you really can't do that. And this just showed that overwhelmingly the people there, they support the Adam Jones, they support just... Just like equality, so that was that was good to see. I got like goosebumps watching the standing ovation take place. Um, so I just gotta ask <laughs> the people want to know: Do you use the N word, Kiana? Ah, here we go with this. Um, well, let me just give some like historical basis to the N word. Now, for those of you who may not understand or are, like slightly confused, like the N word nigger and i-g-g-e-r yes i'm going to be explicit because we are unapologetically different and we're not going to sugarcoat anything that was primarily um utilized a lot and uprooted through slavery around the 1800s um so with that being said it was basically a, a term used and um carried with much hatred and disgust directed toward black africans and african americans and primarily just to kind of keep black people within their place around that time. Over the years, the word has transformed. Um, instead of it, the ER portion, which is, it's like a trigger word mm -hmm. in a sense. I think the black community, especially through hip hop, we have transformed the word to like GA. Mm -hmm. So it's not nigger, it's nigga. Um, that we utilize and we refer to each other. Yeah. And I'm going to keep it 100 with you. I do say... The G-A word. Right. Because it's so prevalent through hip-hop. And I, for those of you who've been tuning in, I'm a hip-hop head. Um, not saying I don't find issues with hip-hop within itself, but I'm a hip-hop head. And with that being said, I use the word. There are times I try to refrain from it. If I use it, it's around people that I'm cool with and my friends. Of course, they're black. I'm not calling someone who's not black that because it just you don't relate in any way, shape, or form, in my opinion. Um, and it's funny because years back, Jay-Z and Oprah kind of had this thing where Jay-Z was like, he still utilized it, the G-A word and how it's transformed. And it's kind of like something within our community. And Oprah was like, no, she's against it. Whether you transform the word or not, she was opposed to it. So she said something along those lines. I'm kind of the same way. Like, I try to not use it, but being that it's so common in my vernacular and the friends that I'm associated myself with, or if my friends say it, it's kind of like, okay. So I do use the word, but I only use it among my black friends. And really, I try not to use it as much. I think more so I don't use it around people that are not black because I don't want them to feel comfortable using it. Because I honestly feel a certain type of way of someone who is not black calling me nigga. G-A, not G-E-R. Because it's just like, you can't really relate to our history. And even if so, um, I may have a problem with certain people outside of our race saying it because to me it's like people utilize it to try to to try to have a common ground with black people like over, oh, you know, like they could connect to us. But then when we have real life issues like police brutality, which we're about to get into soon, um, and Black Lives Matter, it's like, oh, but where you at though? Because <laughs> utilizing the word ain't enough. I'm going to need you to be present. I'm going to need you to be here. And I need you to understand our oppression, and some of them don't. So I do use it. I'm trying to refrain from it. How about you? Um. Yes. I I have been known to use that word with with my friends. Um. But, yeah, same thing with you. Like, I'll use it around 
certain friends who I grew up with or black friends. But I love Hold on though. But why when I said it in the beginning, your eyes like like yeah. I can't see his facial expression, but Pierre was like, I can't believe you just said that. But it's like yeah. are we not keeping it a hundred? I just wanna know. So you know what? I guess if I'm gonna be like just a hundred percent, it's like the same way you said you wouldn't use it in a setting where it's not you don't you're not around only black people. You don't know who's listening to the podcast right now, so that's that's kind of how I feel. Okay. Like I don't know who is listening, and I just I just feel more comfortable just saying the n word. That's nice. Good for you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, I like that you mentioned the fact that you use it around your black friends because I know people who use the word who aren't black. So how do you feel about that? Um, for me. I don't like the fact that people who don't classify themselves as black use the N-word. Um, because the meaning of the word is just the historical context of it and how it's been transformed over time and how till this day, you know, you, you if you say G-E-R and that's used, it's still a racist term. Granted, it has transformed in our community from G-E-R to G-A, and um, it's been utilized in hip hop and it's kind of like a cultural thing in a sense. Not all of us use it. Some of us are opposed to it, others are not. I don't really think it's someone outside of our culture's place or being black to use it. And I think that's where the disconnect comes in where people just like, I don't want to use the word because I feel as if people that are not black are going to feel comfortable using it. But I, I flip the script. I'm just like, to me, why can't we have something that belongs to us? You know what I'm saying? If if the word has been transformed from something extremely negative, which is G-E-R, and it's been transformed to G-A, which is like how we kind of just connect with each other, how we, you know, we talk about each other, like this person, that person, and it's our word and it has transformed over time, it is not your place outside of our culture of being black to utilize it. You don't need to use that word to connect with me. You don't need to use that word to understand me. And... I really get annoyed when I see people who don't classify themselves as black, don't even be about the black struggle. When we out here protesting for police brutality, Black Lives Matter, they're the same one critiquing us, but on the flip side, you want to use the N-word, like, we cool. We not cool. You know what I'm saying? Because if you really want to be cool, I need you to be out there in no protest. I need you to have this conversation about Black Lives Matter among your family and your friends, the ones who are not black. That, to me, shows your support, solidarity, and that, to me, shows me that you're for my culture. You don't need to use that word in order for me to feel like you're down. You know what I'm saying? So that's something that when I see people who don't classify themselves as black, I'm like, don't don't use that around me. You're not cool like that. Don't call me that. So that becomes a bit of an issue. How about you? Um. So <laughs> when you said don't use that around me because we're not cool like that, that kind of that kind of opened up like the point I was gonna make. I feel like. Certain people, some I know people who don't who say Hispanic shouldn't use that word, but then for me personally, I have Hispanic friends who use the word and it doesn't bother me at all. I'm fine with it. All right, let me ask something. Do your Hispanic friends consider themselves black? I've never really had that conversation. Oh but, yeah. Yeah, but honestly, that's a good point, and honestly, I'm not sure, but in my eyes, at the end of the day people of color, whether you're black, Hispanic, Middle Eastern, I just feel like a lot of times just having that melanin in your skin, it automatically puts you in that category either way. No, nah, then that means that anybody could just say whatever and it's fine. I don't necessarily think of it like that because, I mean, I've Growing up and stuff like that, I have friends who are Hispanic and they may use a word, but now that I'm learning more about myself and my culture and what it means to be black in America and as, and of African descent, there are some Hispanic people who don't classify themselves as black. But being Hispanic is not a race. It's an ethnicity. So your race is black. So if you're going to, if to me, I see it like this, if you're going to negate the fact that you're black and you're affiliated to any way, shape or form to the black culture, you can't use that word. Now, if you want to sit up here and tell me you black and you part of the African diaspora, 
And I'm like, okay, that's like I won't be bothered if if we with the same millennium, I won't be bothered. But the fact that you don't classify yourself as such, and you're like, well, I'm not black. Oh, you're not black today. But you want to <laughs> you want to use that word to make it seem like we commonality. But there's there's really not much we have in common if you kind of negate the fact that you're black and you're actually in fact you are black. Yeah. So to me, that kind of bothers me. That's why with me, it's like I only use that word around selective people and. I do have a conversation with my Hispanic friends and they classify themselves as black. So I haven't come across anyone that's close to me that's Hispanic that said, I am not black. So I just be like, okay, because we have to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. So to me, um, yeah, and and I've noticed that there's Asian friends that may use that word as well, but I don't don't like it. Because to me, where were you when we were protesting? Where were you when it was Black Lives Matter? It's probably a handful of y'all, which is great, but I need more of you. Yeah. So to me, it's like, why is it that it's so? And I don't like, like, if someone with Asian are you using using that word because what if they're around people who are not black, who are white, and other groups or other races or whatever the case may be, and they think it's they think it's okay. The problem with using that word and you're not being and you're not classified as black is that other people are gonna pick up on it thinking it's okay. I think it's fine for us to use it because there's there's a historical context to it and how it has transformed. And I and I understand some black people not using it like on the Oprah level, like I spoke about before. I just don't like that word because that wasn't the origin of that word was derogatory, and I get it. Yeah. And I get the ones who use it because it's so common, especially through hip hop music. Like you can't listen to one rap music and not hear that. Like that's just like impossible. So I get that, but at some point, certain groups have to realize that word is not meant for you. And that word is not meant for you to utilize. And I'm going to take it a step further. You know, among the LGBT community, the F word is used. I'm not going to say that word. And there are people who are part of the LGBT community who may use it among each other. And whether it's derogatory or not, that may be a way for certain people to joke around with each other. I will never use that word. Because I don't need to use that word to feel like to feel like I can relate to you in some way, shape, or form, and that I'm an ally. So I will never... And I've seen that happened when the word was used among same-sex couples or whatever the case may be, and they just playing around, and that's fine. But I will never, in my bone and in my body, feel like it's right for me to use that word because I'm not a part of that. And it's a derogatory term that, for some in that community, has been transformed over time, and they use it, and that's fine. But I could could separate myself from that. I was like, I don't need to use that word to be an ally or be supportive or be down for the cause. I could just be down for the cause. You know, I could be at the protest. I could be an ally for you. When somebody come out their face and say something homophobic, I'm going to check them. Whether it's on Facebook or not, I'm going to check them. But I don't need to use that word, the F word, to say I'm down for the community. So I don't get... And you see, you understand me where I'm coming from, right? Mm-hmm. So if that's if that makes sense, I don't get why people feel the need to use the N word. Like, that's how I see it. That's how I compare the two. No. You thinking over there. What you thinking? Honestly, yeah, I actually, actually had a conversation with a friend about this, not with the N-word, but with the word Jew. When I hear that word, it, for, for whatever reason, it just feels dirty to me. I feel like it's kind of like derogatory. Mm-hmm. And I asked him because he's Jewish and he said, no, nah, nothing's wrong with the word. And then we happened to see two Jewish men sitting down eating. And I said, so if I said, hey, look at those guys, those Jews over there eating, he said that you shouldn't say that basically and then i was like that's what i that's what i was implying earlier that i shouldn't be using that but him being jewish he could use it could and it. honestly when you put it in that perspective with the lgbtq community uh-huh. it kind of clicked for me and yeah i i could see i could see the argument for that word is derogatory when you're not a part of that culture that subset of people who created it for themselves yeah um but just to play devil's advocate though i just think there's some black people who have white friends asian friends just in general non-black friends who they're cool with using the word but imagine a scenario where black guy a comes with white friend a and white friend a is down he's cool they use the word together but then another group of, uh, another black guy, so mm-hmm. black guy B comes with white guy B, and 
basically one group is like, no, our white friends don't say that at all. But over here, another group says our white friends can't say it. So it's just like, I think in general, nobody should use the word or everyone should be able to use it. Because at the end of the day, I just feel like there's too much ambiguity in between who could use it, who could not use it. Because for some people, it's like, oh, this guy's cool, so I'm fine with him using it. But I don't know this guy like that, so he can't use it. Like, I think it's more so about like being inclusive. And the problem with that word is that some groups are not comfortable, and then it be- creates like an exclusive kind of atmosphere. But in turn, the historical context of the N-word was used to exclude black people. It was ex- it was used to marginalize us around the time of slavery and put us, kind of dehumanize us. We have transformed over the years where it doesn't have the same, like, it doesn't have the same effect, you know, especially in terms of how you go about util- utilizing GA more yeah. so. Um, so I get what you're saying. I don't think everyone should be able to use it. I think the problem becomes about being inclusive. And I just feel like not everybody got to be in the same thing. Like, and that's the problem. I feel like where we're at now is like trying to include everybody. Like, oh, you could say, no, it don't work like that. Because your ancestors is the reason why we have the words to begin with. So now you're going to tell me, so you could feel like you down with the black culture. I don't get how you having to use that word make you feel like you have something in common or you down with the culture. Like, it's like, really, like, there's so many different faucets and different things you can do that show your support for the culture than opposed to using that word. I'd rather somebody not use the word. You have conscious conversation with your friends and family about oppression and how it relates to people of color, primarily black people, then you using the word, and when those conversations come up, you mute. You're like, oh, really? Black lives matter way. I thought it was blue lives. Like, nah, like, we got to talk about this. Like, so to me... I don't care about you. I don't want you using the word to feel like you down. Like, I need for you to be a part of... I need you to be an ally to the community, to the culture, and for you to have those kind of conversations and stuff like that. Because, you know, at the end of the day, when when people like that are around their ignorant friends and family, they have the power to dismantle those, those ideologies. Mm. You know, we don't because we're not in those rooms. And even if we do come across and we're in those rooms, those situations, we're outnumbered. And in some cases, the people may not feel comfortable sharing their racist ideologies because you're there. So they're going to share with their friend or their family member who you associate yourself with who said they want to use the word. All right, you want to be down for the culture? This is how you do it. You dismantle their ideologies about racism. That's a start. To me, it ain't about you using the word. And I don't, I never for the life of me, I can never understand why it's this. It's always been this conversation. Who can use the word? Who can You can't use it. Simple. Keep moving. Like, to me, it's not, like, just like I related back to the LGBTQ community, I would never do that. And even if I was given the right or the privilege or a car, like you get a pass, I still wouldn't because I don't need to do that to be down and to be a supporter. Like, I guess we have to define allies and being a support. Well, I just, I feel like you're bringing it to the point of being a supporter and ally, but I don't think people look at it in that way whatsoever. I think when people use it, they just think of the word. It's another word in terms of like someone who's your friend, your bro. It's like, that's my eat. <laughs> I don't think that. Yeah, the the way it's used in hip hop, it's used like as a word of a word of camaraderie, and I think that's how people use it amongst each other. Because I've been in settings where I'm like the only black guy in the room, and I just overhear two white guys talking to each other, and they're like, "Yo, my whatever," like, and they're not using it to be down with the cause. They're using it because he's just referring to his boy. Like, but that doesn't make it okay. No, like I'm, that, I'm not saying it makes it okay. To me, I'm that saying... doesn't that doesn't make. And when at that point did that person or whoever think it's okay? Like I could refer to my boy in this context. At what point did you think that was cool? Clearly, it's derived from hip hop, right? And our culture, and it forms it kind of in lines with appropriation, cultural appropriation. Where do you think that's okay? You got to draw the line at some point and say, listen. That ain't my place. You can refer to your friend as a friend without using that word, especially if y'all both white. I don't see why you calling the next white man the N-word. <laughs> like, I don't even understand that. Like, I don't get how, oh, this is how we, we communicate to each other. When was that the origin of your communication? When did that happen? Like, that's what I want to know. Like, to me, that makes no sense. Like, and we have to, we need to have conversations around who can use the word because you may associate yourself with a white person who use it and you're fine, but when they go into a different atmosphere, mm-hmm. a different setting, 
with another group of black people and they just slip and use that and they something happens to them, what you gonna say? That, I love I love like, that you, that's that's the problem. I love that you made that point because I don't and this is why I think no one should really use the word because at the end of the day, if you're not black and you use that word around certain black friends who and they're fine with you using the word, at the end of the day, if you go into like a setting, like let's say that non-black person finds themselves in the hood somewhere, let's just say Brownsville, I guarantee they will not use that word or they'll just be like a, a hesitation or they're going to think about it. And the fact that you even have to think about using the word shows that you know you shouldn't be using it in general. Clearly, so don't use it. And honestly, you putting in that perspective for me, I, I, it's going to make me, I don't know. Yeah, I I, I might have to have start, start having some conversations with people like, I don't feel comfortable with you using that word around me. And that's fine. Yeah. And that's a conversation we need to be had. We need to not shy away from these things because then the people like that are going to continue. And like when they're put in a position where they use it in a slip and then something happened to you and then, you know, broken bones or nose or whatever the case may be, it may lead to that because honestly that will come off as like, okay, you utilizing it. You shouldn't be using that word anyway. And it may come off wrong. That's another issue. And that's why I think people, black people who have white friends or whatever the case may be, you need to have these kind of conversations because like, to be honest, you're trying to save a life because you just <laughs> never know what could happen. And that's to me, that's just not cool. And I realized over the years, it's been this hot topic about who should use it. I think it's pretty clear and evident. We, we agree to disagree, which is fine. I'm for us, the black people using a word among each other. Um, I'm just not for people outside of our race using the word. If you don't classify yourself as black or you're not down for the struggle for that matter at all. I just don't, I feel a certain way about you using it. I feel like we could talk about this forever. We just can. one last question. Mm-hmm. What about using it amongst your black friends, but you're out and there's non-black I, people in the area? That's fine. So you're, To me, you're, we're, because it's us. We're in a conversation. We're engaging with each other. I'm not worried about the people around me. It's our word that we're utilizing. So I don't, to me, that's not a problem for me. Like, I'm not... I probably wouldn't as much because it's not like I go around like yelling and carrying on, but it may slip, but I won't have an issue using it. I feel uncomfortable using it around people who aren't black. And the fact that you said it may slip or I feel like that shows right there that there is that kind of connotation like, should I not be saying this word around other people? And I think that just the fact that we have those subtle thoughts about it why should we? Sh- I think the most logical thing to do is just not use a period. Because you can't use a word and feel comfortable to use it wherever you are, whatever your environment is. There's something there that should be dissected. But yeah, it's not, but at the same time, it's not that if I'm in an all white setting and it's me and my group of black friends, I probably would not be using the word because I normally use it casually if I'm hanging out and it's like a low key kind of thing. So to me, I the when I use it, it's different. I use it rarely. Right. So it's not something I'm like yelling out the end. Hey, like I'm not doing that. Right, but right. to me, if I'm out with my friends, I should be comfortable enough where I can use it if it slip up, and that's fine. Yeah. If someone around me want to pick up on it and think it's okay for them to use it, then they might want to check themselves because it's really not okay. okay. But we agree to disagree, which is fine. But um, for those who want to use it, just be careful. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to be a little careful out there. Um, um, but don't use the word. Moving on. We'll get a little deep now than we were before. So now we're going to switch gears a bit and talk about Jordan Edwards, who was a 15-year-old black male who was shot and killed in a front passenger seat in Dallas, Texas. Um, him and a group of his friends were at a party, and the cop came on site, and as they were driving away, the cop, Oliver, fired shots into the car. And as a result, Jordan was shot in the head. Um, in the police department's first account of the fatal shooting, Chief Jonathan Haber had said that a car was reversing aggressively towards the officers when Mr. Oliver opened fire. But after the chief um, reviewed the two officers' body cameras, he corrected that description. The car had reversed but was accelerating forward and away from the officers when Jordan was struck in the head. 
The officer, Roy Oliver, was subsequently fired by the um, Balch Spring Police Department, citing he had violated depart departmental policies, and he was officially charged with murder six days after the fatal shooting, one day prior to Jordan Edwards' funeral. Um, so, yeah. Basically, um... It's a devastating, it's a devastating situation because here we go again with another fatal shooting of an unarmed black man and the fact that he was 15 years old, which is really sad because like he was an honor student, he was on a football team, like he wasn't, you know, doing anything outlandish. And even if that's the case, it's like, did it warrant his death, especially be shot in the head. Um, the fact that the police department took right steps by admitting the first account of the shooting was incorrect, showed responsibility which indicates a trend in the right direction, um, at least for us, by the way. Yeah. And the fact that the officer was also fired and charged very swiftly indicated accountability, which is different than past cases of police brutality, where if charges are filed, it takes a long time afterwards. Um, so I don't know. This was... When I heard about this story, I was like, another one? I was really... I was really devastated with the accounts of what happened and it becomes a topic of, okay, another one, you know, technically he's a martyr yeah. because what's going to come out of this, what kind of reforms are going to happen if it does in fact happen and law knows it needed to happen a long time ago. So I was really like, this is crazy, you know? And then Oliver, the cop who shot him was booked and released with a $300,000 bond. And the Edwards family had asked for people to refrain from protesting at the time. Therefore, they could cope with his death. And also, one of the members of the community, go by the name of Sarah Evans, was like, they do not want to protest because they don't want to hinder from him getting justice. I thought that was interesting. Because you never really... Around these cases, like surrounding police brutality and um, black men being killed or whatever the case may be, you... I feel like you don't really hear that whole, like, do not protest. Let's wait. You know, normally it happens instantaneously. So I was kind of surprised that, you know, that's the, the route they want to go in terms of not protesting as of right now. I'm sure the family want to put him at rest and find out more developments about the case and decide what to do moving forward. But um, what was your take on the whole situation, being that you're a black man? So, yeah, this... It just hurt. It was like another example of a black man being killed unjustly, unwarranted, and it sucks. Especially the fact that you said honor student, athlete, just young. And even if he wasn't an honor student, you know, he wasn't an athlete, you know, um, even if he was a troubled boy that just went to the party, that doesn't warrant his death. I think right. we feed into the respectability, respectability politics about acting a certain way, being a certain way so that police officers will have a less likely chance of victimizing us, not victimizing us, but criminalizing us and make us be perceived as a problem before we're actually a human being or a person. So um, I think it's great that he was a part of the honor roll and he was a part of the football team, but there are cases where that wasn't the case and there were black men dying, getting shot and killed yeah. for whatever reasons that may be. Um, you know, there is examples in terms of you know, we could talk about the Walter Scott situation. And what's so interesting is that I was on um, CNN. They said that the day that Oliver was fired from, um, the day that he was fired from the police department, the former North Carolina officer, Michael Slagger, admitted using excessive force in the 2015 shooting death of Walter Scott, an unarmed black man in North Charleston, South Carolina. This was an incident when he was pulled over and, um, he was pulled over by the police officer, I believe for a taillight or whatever the case may be. And then he presumed, he thought that he were pulled over because of uh, he owed child support or whatever the case may be. And then as a result, he had was running from the police officer and the cop shot him. But then you see him planting the gun next to his body as if to say that Walter tried to shoot him. And luckily there was a witness in the area, a young male who was walking to work and he recorded everything. And he had called the cops, but he was scared for his life. So he waited till he got home and kind of put it on YouTube. And that's how people found out about it. And it's so interesting how this case is happening now that he's finally admitting that he used excessive force the same day that this guy was um, fired for um, killing Jordan Edwards. 
And also to take it up a step further, additionally, within the same week, the Justice Department declined to file civil rights charges against the two officers um, who were involved in the Alton Sterling killing in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in July 2016. But the two officers can, who are involved can face state charges. Now, the Justice Department basically said that the burden was too high for them to prove that these two officers actually violated his civil rights. But in turn, the family found out that there was an extra video where the police officer was instigating the whole situation with Alton Stern when he put the gun to his hand and said, I will kill you, which wasn't revealed before. So I, I say that to say, like, all of these things happening and it's becoming very frequent, like you said, it's like another one. And, you know, hashtag Jordan Edwards. And I just want to know, at one point, when is it going to end? How many black lives have to be lost and killed in the hands of police officers who are supposed to serve our community before there's some reforms being done where people are actually taking it seriously? What gets me about these cases is that sometimes it is a common thread. You have white police officers from the suburbs in inner cities. You protect and serve in a community you know nothing about. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm Jamaican. People know I'm loud. Everybody say I'm loud. I'm loud on the podcast. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to keep it 100. But if I have a conversation with somebody in the street and we just be speaking pot to her and we loud, you not understanding my culture and not understanding my community, you're going to think we fighting. Yeah. And oh. you're going to perceive it as something else that it's not. Ooh. And come to find out, we were just talking about Aki and Sawfish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying. No, no. I, I like, I'm not trying to be funny, but it's just... It the cultural dynamic and difference is a huge factor in these cases, and we need to hire more people of color from the communities, or maybe even a white person who's who was raised in an urban area, to come in. Because I don't think all white police officers are bad. I don't think all cops are bad, but we have to really critique these, you know, police departments and how they put in place, and how you got people from a whole completely different community coming in and policing the community. They know nothing about. That is a problem. And uh, some of them are quick to draw their guns before they even have a conversation. You perceive me as a problem before I'm a person because I'm black, because I'm dark-skinned? Because, come on, like, that's not okay. And now a 15-year-old boy is dead. His family got to live with that because you want to whip out your rifle and get fancy. You going to shoot at a car with teens with a rifle at that? Come on, man. That that whole situation got me tight. And, of course, I followed it not for the sole purpose of our podcast because I'm just like, I need to read up on this. But I'm tired of it. Like, within next month, next year, it's going to be something else. And it's like, how many times are these cases going to happen? And you got to keep in mind, there's some cases we know nothing about because they're not being recorded. That probably going on right now, we know nothing about. At what point is it going to be an end where it's like, okay, this has to stop. There needs to be some form of police reform put in place and hold these cops accountable. He was arrested, got off on a $300,000 bail. Are you serious? Like, are you you, you for real right now, but y'all going to fire him? So he can't stay in jail until his, his trial come up? Because if it was any other dude, y'all would have did that. I'm going to let you take it away because I'm getting hired. <laughs> I think you bring up a good point in terms of who's policing these communities. Like you said, I'm Haitian, and I'd be on the phone with friends in the car with my dad, and they're like, yo, what is your dad mad about? Like, why is he yelling at you? I'm like, he's not mad. (laughs) He's literally just talking to his friend, and they're, like, making jokes or whatever. I'm like, damn. So when you you put put in that perspective, yeah, like, from from what I from what I know about how the police departments go about placing officers in different locations per precinct, apparently they don't want they don't want people living like let's say you're from Harlem they don't want you being from Harlem policing in Harlem for your the officer's own safety just having to arrest people in his own area and then people can know where he lives so. I, I kind of see why that makes sense, but I think you raise a good point. Like having police officers in the communities that can relate to the people, like, yeah, shit. And it becomes like a trusting issue because yeah. it's like, why am I going to go to you and expect you to protect and serve me when y'all killing me? Like if I see a robber, they say, you see something, say something. I'm going to say what? 
I didn't see nothing. I'm not going to say nothing. Because y'all out here killing us. Like, how do you expect for us to have trust in the community? And then it goes back to, you know, being the perception, which is unfortunate, that people don't trust cops because of situations like this. Because then you have the good ones that we know exist, but they're not speaking out about these incidents. You rarely hear a good officer come out and say, yo, this is not okay. It's like they protect each other. It's like a code. You know what I'm saying? So it's like at one point we holding them accountable. And what kind of got me about this Jordan Edwards case is now they want to bring up um, Oliver was a part of the military. And because of that, it kind of played a part in him having PTSD and the fact that him being on a battlefield really affected him in some way. And I'm just like, okay, so this we gonna pull that card now. That he has traumatic effects from the military. Why he a police officer? Why he a police officer? Because I'm sure there are some qualified black men who came from the urban areas who was not in the military, probably wasn't affected by it, and they can't even become a police officer. Or there was some kind of stipulation put in place. So why is it that he became a cop and y'all knew he came from this background and he had problems? And that's another issue too, because it becomes like a, oh, this is the reason. It's like, oh, we need an excuse or something to, to kind of put in place as to why. Because he can just, he can have done this outright. Come on. Really? There is a reason. And now, and then you got to question the reason too. Like, and that's another thing with our veterans that gets me upset is that, you know, a lot of them, they go overseas, they're involved in the war, they go through so much, especially mentally, and they got to come back and try to fit back into society and they're not provided the proper resources and um they're not provided the proper resources to get back right and it, it seems like with the story they're trying to run away here this officer lacked the resources that was given to him or he didn't have them hence why he had a continuation of ptsd so now we're going to use that as a scapegoat as to why he killed this 15 year old boy that was on honor roll he probably would have become the next barack obama and now he can't so it's like, okay, now who who we gonna feel sorry for the family or the fact that he was in the military? Now they wanna pull out that story. And that's what gets me. It's like every time it's either the black person who got shot and killed did something wrong. Like they were saying Mike Brown stole something from the convenience store. So that warrants you to kill him and for his body to be in the street for three to four hours at a time? All right, bet, because ambulance is not running, right? Cool. So they find that angle and then they flip it and be like, oh no, the police officer, there was some issues with them psychologically. They messed up. At one point, are we going to wholeheartedly hold somebody accountable like, nah, you was wrong. Point blank, simple, you was wrong. So this is how we going to do you in the justice system. Because if it was anybody else, he would have been in jail till this day until the trial happened. At some point, we have to hold them accountable. And I'm so, yes, the chief acted swiftly on this. And I wish a lot of other chiefs would stand in line too. But to me, that's a start. But I need more than that. I, I need more than that. That's a, that's a little something. I need something bigger and better than that. What's the next step? Because if we can't protest, because it's a tight-knit community, according to Sarah Evans, you know, we don't want that. We want to get justice, right? Because if we can protest or not, we may not even get justice. So at what point are we going to say, okay, this has to stop? I feel like I said a lot. <laughs> so I, I need you to... I need you to bring it back because I feel like I said a lot. I'm just, I'm really, you know, this is like one of the things that gets me. This is one of my triggers and it gets me emotional because I remember when I prayed for Eric Garner's family and I broke down crying. I remember when that verdict came in, I wasn't right mentally. I wasn't right. You would have thought I'd known the man because what happened to one of us happens to all of us. And I, I prayed and I cried in the middle of my prayer because my prayer sounds so similar to Mike Brown, Trayvon Martin, Ramali Graham. And I was like, this is too much. It becomes too repetitive to the point that I'm numb to it. And I'm like, how much more are we going to pray? And it's to the point, and I'm going to keep it all the way 100 with you, I'm scared to have kids in America. Before it was a black son. And now it's a black girl because they're killing us too. Don't get it twisted. Our names may not be out there, but they be doing saying hashtag say her name. Sandra Bland. They killing them too. I'm scared to have a child. And the fact that I got to sit down and have a conversation with my child as to how to conduct themselves with a police officer, when you know white families are not doing that in their homes, that is a problem to me. I got to sit down and tell you how to act. 
because you just might lose your life. I'm scared to have kids. More than anything, I'm scared to have kids. And that, and I'm not the only one. We should not be in fear to have children because of people like that. So to me, topics like this is very near and dear to my heart. And I get very passionate and I get emotional because I'm sick of it. Before I thought a change was going to happen because we had a black man as president. I love me some Barack Obama. I thought it was going to be progression there with police reform. It ain't happened. Now we got Trump. And you know ain't nothing going to happen now. He said, we need a law and order in the community. <laughs> so his version of law and order and us getting shot and killed. Right? Damn. I'm going to need you to say something, Pierre. I'm going to need you to say something. I feel like we got to find solutions. Like We have to take action, figure out what we got to do to actually cause police reform. I think it's one thing to protest but that's not causing any reform in the in in those police departments. Like, I think I'm always about, granted there's problems and we're seeing it, but what are the steps that we have to do to make change? And I think you touched on one of the biggest things is who's policing what communities. I don't think it should just be only black police officers should be yeah. in black communities, but that's it's like a starting point like who are the people that you have in those communities are, if they don't know the people in the community they don't understand that community or just actually understanding who you're sending out there because there's some people who are officers and like you said they could be from the suburbs and they've never seen a black person in their life just because where they grew up there are no black people but now they start they start after the police academy, they get thrown into a Brownsville or something. And it's like, Imagine that. that's literally a shock for anybody. <laughs> now, if you've never even dealt with a black person in your life and all you have is just whatever stories you, you see on the media or whatever beliefs you have about them, that is like a, it's a recipe for a disaster. So I think the first step is actually taking a look at who's policing these communities and we got to just figure out what other steps and actions we can take to make a difference because yeah like you said i'm i can't i'm literally i can't keep hearing about this stuff like i'm getting like i'm getting emotional and i kind of feel bad because it's not coming out as passionate as you but literally like my heart is like breaking right now like it's just, it's ridiculous, and I feel like, too, that's why, I, honestly, I stopped watching videos with, if they call them, like, Alton Sterling, Philando Castile. I was like, I don't want to watch these. When they came up on Facebook, I was like, because I, I'm t first of all, to me, that's modern-day lynching. I don't want to see this. We know what happened. We don't need no videos. We know what time it is. We know they're going to fabricate the story. We already know. Even with the videos, they're not getting locked up. So, to me, it's like, all right, we got that. It's messing with our mental health. To be black in America is enough. To internalize and to visually see your brother, your sister, or fellow brother or sister for that matter, be shot and killed, and it's being like broadcasted all over. And then you got that happening. And then you got these cops who are not held accountable and not doing time in prison. You internalize that enough as a black person, and that gets to you. That's why I say mental health is important. Self-care is important. And I had to refrain from social media when all of these incidents was happening. Um, pertaining to Jordan Edwards, I didn't really want to be too much heavily. I read up on it, but I was just like, at some point I was like, I got to stop because internalizing that to me, it gets to my mental. Some people it may not, but to me, it really does get to me because it's one of my triggers because I just don't understand why this keep happening. And um, we do need to reform. We, we do. I, I, I love a good protest. I'm always down for protests because I love the energy and I love to see different kinds of people come out and stand for a cause. To me, it's a start, and I feel like a lot of us as people as colors, black people, wouldn't have gotten the rights we got today without some form of protest back in the day. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sleep on protesting. I like it. I've never protested. Before. It's, I love it. Protest. I've been to a couple of protests. Whenever Garner Verdict came out, I we protested, and I walked the um Brooklyn Bridge. Can I come with you next time? Yeah, next time we're gonna go together. Like I, I like it. I like the energy. To me, it did something for my spirit when, especially with the Eric Garner Verdict, because I was like, I don't know how to channel my anger and I was emotional. I was at work. I was crying a lot and I was like, I gotta go to this protest and that protest really helped me 
and we all like at one point we walked all the way across the Brooklyn Bridge and then we stopped at a certain point and we um we like we kind of just paused for like seven minutes or two because that's how long it took for him to die when they had him in trouble so that within itself is so powerful to me so I think protesting is a start I think we need to continue doing that we need to continue to make noise we're known for that um as you know as Americans we're known that in some parts aspects in through history protesting has an effect so I, I'm for protesting I'm for reform and I think that there needs to be better training there needs to be better I don't understand why you would a rifle <laughs> that's just me maybe it's a Texas thing I don't know but I don't know how you pull up to a party and you got a rifle like to me that off the rip that's a problem so there needs to be better training and there needs to be people from the community who's protecting and serving the community because you know what you're protecting and serving. So we, we have to work on different ways, but it's just like, I'm just tired of us being perceived as a problem before we're a person. This boy was a teenager. He didn't even get to live. He didn't even touch 18. He didn't get to go to his high school prom. He don't know what it's like to fill out a college application. He can't go to college and graduate. If he wanted to go to law school, he can't. We need to talk about that. He can't be a better version of himself because he's dead. This guy took away his life. And that's all that keeps happening. Lives are being taken away. And it's like, oops, sorry. There's no real accountability. So we're going to watch this story and see how it plays out. But to me, it's just, it's another heartbreak. Another day, another hashtag. Hashtag Jordan Edwards. And our prayers and condolences are with his family. So that's our show for today, guys. Once again, thank you for tuning in. This was a, a deep episode, and Kiana just let it all out there. And yeah, so please follow us on IG, underscore unapologetically, underscore different. You can also tweet us at unapologetic, two underscores, D. Or you can send us an email at unapologeticallydifferent at gmail.com. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye.